The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Hey everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Maywood, Illinois. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Maywood, Illinois is a small suburb just outside of Chicago and the hometown of former NFL safety Sergio Brown. As a teen, Sergio Brown was the kind of high school football star that had locals packing the stands. He was so good, in fact, that he got the attention of college scouts around the country, but more specifically, Notre freaking Dame. For anyone who doesn't know much about college football, Notre Dame is a pretty big deal. So when they offered Sergio a scholarship to play for them, it was a no brainer. Getting a full ride to a college like Notre Dame was a dream come true, but it was a little bittersweet. Sergio had been extremely close with his dad, but during his freshman year of high school, his dad passed away from lung cancer. Sergio knew his dad would have been so excited about this new chapter of his life, and it was a little hard not having him there to celebrate, but he did have his mom and brother. Sergio's mom, Myrtle, was his biggest fan, and she made sure that he never forgot how proud his dad would have been of him. Sergio's performance on the Notre Dame field only got more and more impressive as time went on. By the time his senior year rolled around, it was time to decide whether or not to try to make it in the NFL or settle down and start a career. That decision was made for him, however, when in 2010, the New England Patriots signed him as an undrafted free agent. The Chicago native was given a three-year contract for what spot track lists as more than $1.2 million. He didn't see the entire contract through, though, because in 2014, it looks like he was picked up by the Indianapolis Colts in a one-year contract worth $1.4 million. While he played for them, he had quite the reputation for being a solid hype man in the locker room. Following his time on the Colts, he landed a three-year, $7 million contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars, spent a week or so on the Atlanta Falcons practice squad, and then ended his career in 2016 on the Buffalo Bills. Sergio was only 29 at the time, and there hadn't been any major incidents that would cause him to announce his retirement, but that's what he did. Somehow, while playing in seemingly every single game of his NFL career, he managed to get his master's degree in business administration. With his degree, he left the NFL behind him and went to work for Google. 
At the time of his retirement, it certainly didn't feel like this was going to be the last the world heard or saw of Sergio, but he did kind of disappear into the background. For years, no one heard much about what he was doing or what he was up to in his career, but all of that changed last month in September of 2023. On Saturday, September 16th, Sergio's Aunt Sheila got a phone call at 3 a.m. Nothing good ever comes out of a 3 a.m. phone call, and this one was no different. According to WGN9, Sheila was told that both her 35-year-old nephew Sergio and his 73-year-old mother Myrtle were missing. Sergio and his mother lived together in what looks like his childhood home in Maywood, and no one had seen or heard from either of them in more than a day. Within two hours, Sergio's brother Nick was posting to Facebook, desperate to find his family. He wrote, Folks, my mom Myrtle Brown and my brother Sergio Brown are missing. I'm not waiting another hour. Please share. If you see them or one of them, please let me or the Maywood police office know. Sergio's cousin took to Facebook as well, noting that her Aunt Myrtle was in her 70s and wouldn't just walk away. Myrtle had just celebrated her 73rd birthday the weekend prior, and she was the kind of woman who was always on the go. Myrtle was known for her upbeat attitude and ability to find the silver lining in any situation. There was never a dull moment in her life. She kept busy with friends, family, and outreach, so going completely off the grid was wildly out of character. If you called Myrtle, she picked up. If you texted, she answered back. But according to WGN9, she hadn't responded to anyone the day prior. Something just was not right here, so Sergio and Myrtle's family wasted no time trying to figure out what exactly was going on. CBS 2 reports that Sheila got up and headed straight to their house to see if it could give her any insight as to what might have happened. It looks like she met the police there, and as soon as they went inside, they knew that something was wrong. No details were given as to what she might have seen, but she did tell the outlet that things were out of the ordinary. It was strange enough that after looking through the inside of the modest 1,200-square-foot home, they headed to the backyard and into the woods. The property goes back maybe 100 yards or so until you get to a pretty big creek. Sheila and police officers searched the woods all the way back to the creek for any sign of Sergio or Myrtle, but they came up empty. As the day went on, something just wasn't sitting right with the Simmons-Brown family, so Sheila and other family members headed back to the property to search again. Based on quotes, it looks like it might have been dark during their first search and everyone was tired that early in the morning, so they wanted to do another search during the daylight to see if maybe there was something they might have missed. And there was. Out back by the creek, nearly 100 yards from the home Myrtle had lived in for decades, her family found her body. Initial reports stated that she was found unresponsive, but reading between the lines, it looks like she may have been dead for some time. Myrtle was not taken to the hospital. She was taken to the medical examiner's office. Fox 32 reports that they determined Myrtle had died due to several injuries sustained during an assault. 
With Myrtle's body being found, the search for Sergio intensified. Searches were done of the creek in case his body had also wound up by the water or in the water, and press releases were sent far and wide to please contact the Maywood Police Department if anyone spotted him. It was hard to gauge the temperature of the media at this point, but the public seemed to be torn on what they thought might be going on. On one side, people familiar with the area wondered if maybe Myrtle and Sergio had been victims of a robbery gone wrong. Sergio had made a lot of money during his NFL career, but the neighborhood he lived in wasn't where you'd expect someone with means like his to live. His particular street was known for being an older, quiet neighborhood, but if you went a couple of blocks in either direction, you could be met with some dicey areas. As a whole, the crime rate is a little intimidating, and locals wondered if maybe someone had targeted him personally because of his money. Posters online suggested that maybe police should look at his bank account to see if anyone might have used his bank card. While some people were wondering if Sergio had been targeted, there was another group of people wondering if maybe he was the one who had attacked his mom. It seemed crazy that a former NFL star living a modest life would ever hurt the woman who had stood by him and helped make his dreams come true. But the more police looked into what exactly happened to Myrtle, the more it seemed like maybe Sergio could be involved. CBS2 interviewed a neighbor who said that police had asked if they could look through his ring security footage. Obviously, he said yes, and they found something weird. According to this neighbor, the footage reportedly showed Sergio having a bonfire and burning all of his mother's clothes. The neighbor also said that he had spoken to the family who told him that Sergio hadn't been right the last few months and was quote unquote out of his mind. This was news to everyone who had followed Sergio's career, but maybe that was why he had been laying low and living with his mom. According to CBS2, this wasn't the first time police had been called to the home, though to be fair, I did run a background and didn't find anything more than a speeding ticket for him, so who knows. It seemed like the entire world was looking for Sergio at that point, but Sergio decided he wasn't going to hide at all. Kind of. It looks like he had two Instagram accounts, one verified and one not, and on what appeared to be his unverified account, Sergio started posting videos. The first video had the location tagged as Mexico City, but various reports state that that video was quickly removed and re-uploaded without the location tag. One video showed him walking down the street saying the Drake lyrics, Oh my God, oh my God, if I die, I'm a legend. As media started reporting on the original video being tagged in Mexico City, Sergio posted another. This one was word soup and all over the place, but this is what he said. What the fuck? Missing? They ain't never seen Finding Nemo? What the fuck is going on? This is traumatic. Lucky I know how to say a joke. You, what the fuck, just keep swimming. Then he breaks out into kind of hysterical laughter, then repeated the Wallaby Way address from Finding Nemo. Word is still out on whatever joke he was referencing, but the consensus with this is that Sergio was trying to say that he wasn't missing and probably trying to get people to stop talking about him being in Mexico and make them think he was in Sydney, because I guess Finding Nemo and Wallaby Way. The background of the video, however, did him no favors in trying to make it seem like he was not in Mexico and instead in Australia. 
The weird videos kept coming, and in another, Sergio ranted, they kidnapped me twice from home, the Maybell Police Department, right? I thought my mom was on fucking vacation in Sinaloa. That's fucking fake news. Get the fuck out of my GD face. He repeated fake news a few times and then added that the FBI had come into his house on Bob Marley's death day, 5-11, unwarranted, and maybe somehow they were to blame for what was going on. It's honestly a little hard to decipher, but I'm doing my best. Sinaloa is in Mexico, where it did seem he was, and he essentially seemed to be saying that he saw the news of his mother's murder and wanted the world to think that he believed it was fake because she was on vacation in Mexico, but then it also kind of seemed like maybe he believed she was dead and it was somehow law enforcement's fault. He also wanted people to know that the Maywood Police Department had allegedly kidnapped him twice and the FBI had come into his house unwarranted on a day that was somehow connected to Bob Marley's death. Obviously, people started questioning his mental health, but the videos weren't always 100% erratic all of the time. There were times where it almost seemed a little taunting. He was well aware that his mother had been murdered and his family had spoken to the media and posted on Facebook about how agonizing all of this was for him, and he was posting videos citing Drake and pretending to be in Australia, quoting Finding Nemo. As far as I can tell, not once did he reach out to his family to let them know that he was okay, you know, since he's missing, or to ask them about the news of his mom. Four days after Myrtle's body was found, Forbes reported that the Maywood PD had gotten a tip that Sergio might be in Playa del Carmen at the Sabia condos. The tip looks like it might have come from an elite member of the I'm Gonna Find Out unit because they had narrowed down his location via Google Lens. Like someone had screenshot one of his videos and maybe reverse image searched the background. So shout out to whoever that hero is. Sergio could try and Nemo his way into convincing people he was in Australia, but he definitely was not. Out of curiosity, I looked up those condos and it doesn't look like they're any kind of location you can just go to a website and book for vacation. They're long-term rentals that are then rented out through third-party apps like Booking.com and Verbo for like 96 whole dollars a night. So if he was staying there, it definitely was not breaking the bank. Things never really went quiet when it comes to this case, but there were some lulls between major updates. Sergio continued posting videos, but started pointing the camera towards his feet, which sounds like he doesn't want anyone to reverse image search his location anymore and may indicate that he had been keeping up with the news. Some days he'd post a few stories and other days he'd post more than 10. It was a mixed bag of what you were going to get. It could be feet videos, song lyrics, Harry Potter or current events in Chicago. He shared one particular news story about someone found hanging in the city. Police were seen back at the Brown-Simmons home, but not much happened aside from them being inside for about an hour or so and emerging with a big white box. WGN9 was able to grab a photo of the department leaving, and the box was for a Toshiba humidifier, but honestly, anything could have been in there. I think the likelihood of them spending an hour inside of that home to grab a humidifier and somehow also managing to find the original box for it is slim to none, but crazier things have happened. 
There was a lot of talk online and in the media about CTE, and that is definitely something we should address here. I think CTE became a more well-known condition during the Aaron Hernandez investigation, and we talked about it a lot in that episode. Aaron Hernandez is obviously not the first time anyone has talked about CTE, but it was the first time it seemed like a lot of people outside of the football realm learned about it. CTE is chronic traumatic encephalopathy. It's a brain disease caused by repeated traumatic brain injuries. One thing I learned back when I was researching Aaron Hernandez is that CTE isn't so much about how bad a few concussions might be. It's about how many repeated concussions a person has over a prolonged period of time. Like someone in the NFL who played football since they were eight and were consistently subjected to hard hits to the head. According to a report by U.S. News, symptoms can include trouble with thinking and memory, depression, suicidal thoughts, and mood swings. Aaron Hernandez was found to have CTE following his death, as well as Philip Adams, another former NFL player who shot and killed six people before killing himself. Unfortunately, though, CTE can't be diagnosed until after death, and more than one former professional football player has killed themselves in a way that preserved their brains just so they could be studied for CTE. Heisman Trophy winner Bo Jackson told USA Today that if he had known about CTE, he never would have played, adding, The game has gotten so violent, so rough. We're so much more educated on this CTE stuff, there's no way I would ever allow my kids to play football today. In considering CTE in the case of Sergio, I did take a look into his stats and it seems like he might be on the low end of forcible contact when it comes to other players with the same position. SpotTrack lists him as having 144 tackles in 94 games, while two other top players in his same position had 181 and 354. Granted, none of that tells us how hard Sergio's tackles were, whether or not they led to concussions, or how many concussions he may have incurred while he was young, in high school, or playing football in college. On September 28th, Sergio's Instagram poofed. Into oblivion, disappeared, doesn't exist. Both of his accounts were gone, which was interesting because according to the people who had been keeping up with all of his posts, he had mentioned that he didn't have the login information to his verified account, but both accounts were now gone. Maybe he deleted them, maybe Instagram shut them down, or people thought maybe he was in custody and his attorney had shut that shit down real quick. No one knew, though, because police weren't saying anything. In the following days, Myrtle's wake and funeral were held and Sergio's family posted about them publicly. Her family and friends mourned the stylish, upbeat, always busy mom who had brought nothing but goodness into this world, but her son Sergio was nowhere to be found. The world waited to see what might be happening behind closed doors, but Sergio answered that question for everyone a few days later. On October 3rd, a Twitter account under his name that had been created 13 years prior started tweeting. The account had been somewhat active over that time, but had tweeted absolutely nothing the entire month of September. The tweets he posted were about as you'd expect. He posted quotes about how the earth is really an ocean, how happiness comes from your own actions, how he drinks the silence of God from a spring in the woods, and how no man can degrade the soul that is within him. 
The tweets were strange to say the least, but his responses to the replies were what was interesting. Because Sergio had said the news about his mom was fake, one Twitter user asked him about his brother paying tribute to her. Sergio responded, Huh? My brother went to jail in July. How did he get out? He can't do that. For context here, I could find zero evidence that his brother was arrested in July whatsoever. Another Twitter straight up asked him if he had killed his mom, and Sergio had a few responses. In one, he said, Wait, didn't they say I died at Mr. Brown's lounge or someone killed me before August 20th? Now, how does double jeopardy work with fake news? No, she is live well and on vacation. Fuck all of y'all, Kanye shrugs. In another, he talked about how they'd found a man hanging in a tree in Chicago, and he was surprised that they didn't say that was Myrtle as well. And in another response, which was way more organized than the others, he simply said, no, that's fake news. I don't know what's going on. It's a lot of craziness going on in Maywood. I don't know how our names came up in anything, honestly. Really well put together for everything else we had heard. While everyone was watching Sergio's Twitter waiting for his next post, TMZ got their hand on a video no one had seen yet. In this video, Sergio could be seen dancing shirtless with someone at an outdoor party in Mexico. He honestly looks like he's having the time of his life, smiling, laughing, and dancing. And because the internet was interneting, a woman on TikTok named Karina Worldwide uploaded a response. This woman said that it was her aunt in that video and that they live in Mexico and had gone to the party to have some fun. Karina said that neither she nor her aunt knew who Sergio was, let alone that he was missing, and that her aunt had gotten some pretty rough messages after it was posted online. Karina added that at the party, Sergio was buying bottles for everyone, but left without paying his tab, and everyone had to pitch in and cover it. Sergio stopped tweeting on October 9th, and that's because he was finally taken into custody on the 10th. The reporting does get a little wonky here. Some reports say he was apprehended trying to re-enter the U.S. and others state that he was taken into custody after Illinois police got a warrant for his arrest. Based on what happened next, I think both might be a little bit true at the same time. Sergio was taken into custody and extradited to the U.S. Unfortunately for everyone on the plane with him, he did not go easily and it was all caught on camera. In clips from the New York Post and various TikTok users, Sergio can be seen facing backwards in his seat and yelling, I'm free. I have my passport. Why are they grabbing me? They're kidnapping me again. I'm from Chicago. My flight was Columbia. Why am I going to Tijuana? That right there indicates that he may have actually been trying to board a flight that he booked for himself and was apprehended and sent in the direction of the U.S. via Tijuana. Granted, Colombia is in the opposite direction of the U.S. from where he was, but that's neither here nor there at this point. In other clips, you can hear Sergio yell, this is kidnapping, they're in uniforms, thank you for participating, I was going to Colombia, I am from Chicago, I should not be going to Tijuana. At that point, he started physically fighting what appears to be an immigration officer. He goes on to yell, let me go, this is kidnapping, cameras please, kidnapping, kidnapping. At this point, a woman steps in who seems to be just a regular lady on the plane who's showing some compassion. 
for whatever reason, they let her do this and she checks on him, tries to calm him down, and asks for someone to get him a glass of water. After that, you hear a man yell, no glass, and the woman tries to tell officials that he's having anxiety because she honestly just doesn't know what she doesn't know. But eventually, Sergio threatens to beat someone's ass and it kind of looks like it was said to that woman. Oh, and he also managed to grab something off of one of the officials' uniforms and put it into his pocket at one point. They didn't exactly detain him well in that moment. He managed to get up into the entire aisle and for more than an hour, passengers had to watch this shit go down, wondering what in the actual fuck was going on. Can you imagine a captain finally coming over the speakers and clarifying, sorry folks, we've had a minor delay. I promise we aren't kidnapping anyone. The man in the white hoodie is wanted for murder and we're trying to get him back to the U.S. Illinois had pulled out a murder warrant for Sergio and not just any murder warrant, it was first degree. He was flown back to somewhere near San Diego and held without bail. Obviously, having fled to Mexico once, he's a bit of a flight risk, but the next order of business for him is getting him back to Illinois. Court records indicate that he might have an extradition hearing scheduled for November 13th, but it looks like that may have been waived. I'm not totally sure, but that's kind of what I'm seeing. My guess is whoever's representing him told him that the hearing was kind of a waste of time because there was sufficient evidence to have him transported back to Illinois, but we shall see. As of this episode, no updates have been released as to when to expect him back in Illinois, but it will likely be within the next couple of weeks. Obviously, I will be sure to update you as this case progresses through the courts. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Myrtle's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there Mondays at noon Eastern where you go live with me and we talk about today's case and all other true crime cases on your mind. If you love the podcast, feel free to leave a review. It makes my day every single time. And if you have a case you'd like to hear covered, share it with Big Man True Crime on social media because all cases are covered by listener request. To get access to ad-free and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Apple Premium or head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just two whole dollars a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next week, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. We are at the end of this episode, and that means it's time to share a review that made my entire day. Let me get my phone because I dropped it. This one is from Jallo H and says, Heather is the queen of podcasts. Oh my gosh, that's so nice. I love you. Her sarcasm is exactly what you're thinking, but better and funnier. She doesn't pull any punches, but she does tickle your funny bone. She's delightful and she gets straight to the point. You are the queen, Heather. You're the queen, Jallo H. After hearing Big Mad True Crime for the first time, I had to binge the rest. Listening to the podcast is first on my list every Monday morning. I promise not to tell Princess Consuela Banana Hammock, but I'd bet against a royal flush that she already knows. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I thank you. You're so sweet. That was so nice. You didn't have to do that and you did it anyway and I love you for it. That's so kind. You're amazing. I hope you know how much I appreciate you. The podcast would be literally nothing without every single one of you. I mean... You guys, yeah, you guys are the best. Yeah, period. I love you so much. If you have made it this far, welcome to today's hot take brought to you by I have several questions. 
When I first started researching this case, I went hard into who Sergio was as a person, and there was no indication that he would ever be capable of murder, but based on the neighbor's quotes to CBS, obviously there's a lot that we do not know. Prior to Sergio's arrest, his family actually wrote an open letter asking why no one had been taken into custody when they said enough information had been submitted to the prosecutor's office to warrant it. Throughout this entire time, no one had been named a suspect or a person of interest. Police had simply said that they wanted to talk to Sergio, and that was it. Though, reading the room here and that letter, it seems like that might have been a long game move. He was blatantly posting on social media, and his behavior was odd to say the least, and Sergio would adjust anytime the media pinpointed where he might be, whether it was taking off the locations or pointing it at his feet and not the background anymore. That coupled with the fact that international affairs are complicated, I would venture to guess that police kept as much to themselves as possible to try and keep Sergio from fleeing to anywhere else. Moving on to the next part of this hot take, we don't have a ton of actual evidence to go off of in this case other than a couple bits of hearsay and a picture. We know that the neighbor claimed police saw him burning his mom's clothes and surely reported that the house was out of the ordinary, and we did see police take a humidifier out of the Simmons Brown home. The major suspicion factor here doesn't really come from evidence. It seems to come mostly from Sergio's reaction to the news of his disappearance and his mom's murder. If this happened to someone who wasn't a former NFL player, I doubt that anyone would really be talking about CTE, but that is definitely a topic of discussion when you research this case. It can't be ignored after seeing Sergio's strange videos and tweets and due to other football players committing violent crimes and later being found to have had CTE. That being said, we should preface that all football players who have been diagnosed post of, and I hope I said that right, um, of having CTE have not all been violent people. I do. Definitely want to put that out there. I have no doubt that a competency hearing is going to be scheduled almost immediately after he gets back to Illinois, and it's going to be interesting what that finds. I can only assume that medical testing is part of that process, and I should probably really look into that, but I would also be interested to see what any blood tests might indicate. The discussion of an insanity plea is bound to pop up as this case rolls through the system, and that one's going to be a little bit tough. CTE cannot be diagnosed until after death as far as anything I've found. And in order to be found not guilty by reason of insanity, you have to prove that at the time of the crime, you couldn't discern right from wrong. If he burned his mom's clothes, it certainly seems like he may have been trying to destroy something, maybe evidence. Someone who does not think they did anything wrong doesn't bother destroying evidence, though I'm not sure what burning her clothes would have hid unless there was evidence in her closet or something. There's obviously a lot we do not know in any case. Fleeing the country certainly seems to indicate that you knew you'd be wanted, but playing devil's advocate here, which is hard, he posted freely on Instagram. I think the thing that's going to put a dent in any defense in that particular subject is him removing that geotag of Mexico City on the first video and then uploading it again without the geotag. One could argue that indicates that maybe he did not want people knowing where he was, even though he was more than happy to try and convince people he might be in Australia or at least taunt them into potential confusion. I foresee this being a very long road ahead in the justice system, and I hate every second of that for his family. The people wanting justice for Myrtle are the same people having to learn about what someone they know and love is accused of doing to her, and I can only imagine 
how unbearably agonizing that is. Obviously, you guys know I'm going to follow this through the court system and keep you guys updated on everything that I learn. I love you so much. Okay, love you. Bye.